Leviticus, if you turn there, chapter 11, verse 44. Be holy because I am holy. And it's certainly an important subject. We talk about a lot of things from a positive perspective, but sometimes you have to preach, you know, about the bad. And, you know, holiness is, a, is an interesting word if you, if you study the word holiness. And uh, we know God is holy and we're supposed to be holy. You think of in the scripture, there's a holy ground, a holy place, a holy temple, a holy tabernacle, a holy people, a holy nation, holy days, holy priests, holy prophets, holy men, holy women. There are holy scriptures, holy commandments, a holy hill, a holy mountain, a holy city, a holy covenant, a holy name, a holy kiss, holy cow. No, I'm just, there you go. Let's see, that's, that's it right there. I'm sorry. But anyway, I'm not sorry, but that just, uh, there it goes. There are holy first fruits, holy offerings, a holy chamber. And then in the te temple, there was uh, holy garments, holy oil, holy crown, holy perfume, holy vessels, and a holy altar. There are whole, God's hands, the Bible says, are holy, and his, and his arms are holy. His name is holy. He's the one who is holy. He was the child that was holy. Uh, and st still says today, Jesus is holy. God is holy. The Spirit is holy. And Colossians 2, 2 says, you're holy. How could I be holy, Pastor? God's in you. God's in you. And when, when you are saved, you are considered from God's perspective, holy. Isn't that interesting? We see each other and we know the faults and weaknesses in each other. Yeah, I get so depressed and depression is sin. And, I, and you, you've known that about me. I probably told you about that. But we, we know that when God saves us, we're a saint. Amen. Isn't that something? God sees us as set apart, as holy. And so Leviticus 11.44, we'll read this one verse Stand with me. We'll read only half of this verse. And it says here, For I am the Lord your God. Now you know who the Lord is. The Lord is Yahweh. I am, 11.44, Leviticus 11.44, I am, and of course the I am's are abundant in Scripture. I am the Lord your God. That's Yahweh Elohim. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. That means set yourselves apart, and ye shall be holy for I am holy. God bless us as we take a look in your book for a walk in the world. Helps to understand how serious this matter of holiness is. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The name Leviticus is from a Greek word, not a Hebrew word. It records the duties of the Levites and, of course, named after the tribe of Levi. The law contains, uh, the book of Levi contains the civil law, the sanitary laws, the ceremonial laws, the religious regulations, it illustrates the moral law. That's the law within us. And so it's just a, a book that really shares with us the law and everything about the law. Why? God was trying to teach a principle that to approach God, we must be holy. That's why I always tell you, confess your sins when you go pray to God, because if you have sin in your life, from God's perspective, now you're out of fellowship. While he sees you as holy, he sees sin. And then the Lord goes on our behalf and says the blood has been applied the moment you confess it. And I love that. But God wants us to understand holiness. And he says in Colossians 2.2, he's going to present us holy to God, Jesus Christ is. Now look back at verse 36, just a teaching point here. Nevertheless, a fountain or pit wherein there is plenty of water shall be clean, but that which toucheth their carcass shall be unclean. It's interesting because typhoid, typhoid fever was caused by 
a bad water. And so the law, long before we discovered typhoid, typhoid fever and the causes, the law said don't, don't touch water that's been contaminated by a dead animal. In fact, remember Samson who took the Nazarite vow. And part of that vow was to grow his hair and grow his hair and grow his hair and not touch a dead body. God knew all about disease long ago and he taught the Israelites so many things. So Leviticus is a great hyperbole, a great example that we cannot measure up to. Now they had to try, but the Jews failed to keep the law. But what a, what a great example for us to look at this and see holiness. And that causes us to see how unholy we are when we're not walking with the Lord. We're gonna look at five places we find this word holiness. And uh, we know Isaiah, we're not turning to Isaiah 6, 3, but what does Isaiah say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Bible also says, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He's holy. He's holy. And so we have to look at holiness. First of all, we need to be holy in our hearts. 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. We mentioned this morning how God knows man's heart. And we know that so many times we do things and, we don't, and we're not blessed for them. We wonder why God doesn't bless us because we keep doing the right thing. Well, God knows our heart. Be sure your motive is correct. How many times in the Bible we mentioned this morning, did God know people's hearts? He, knew what, he knows what's in man. So even when I do things, if my motivation is wrong, I'm not blessed for that. I'm actually chastened for it. God knows our hypocrisy. I'm one of the world's great hypocrites, and I'm sure you are as well. We just come to church, and man, we put our best face on. This face doesn't get much better, but I mean our best. Our, our, we want people to see our best, you know. We, uh, one time I was driving to church, and I was kind of close on somebody's tail, and the Lord kind of said, what if they go to church? You know, what, what if they attend church here, and I'm 10 feet off their bumper? What am I going to say when they say, well, you're on my bumper, Pastor? I'd say, oh, I knew it was you. I was teasing. Was that what? I don't know. But what would I say? Yes, I'm a tailgater. I go to those tailgate parties at football. No, no, I, I, I sometimes tailgate. But we know holiness is the opposite of abiding by the law, the moral law, the civil law, the word of God. And so we are unholy sometimes because we don't abide by God's word. A lot of things we're told to do, we ignore. Did you know it's just as sinful to not do things you're supposed to do as it is to do things you're not supposed to do? The Bible says, you know, tells us that we, we need to do the right thing all the time. 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. Confess your sinful thoughts and intentions. Look at this verse, 3, 13. Uh, to the end, ye may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with the saints. Establish your hearts unblameable. Quite often we use the expression, he's got a good heart. Well, the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. And sometimes we think someone has a good heart and we make that statement, we really don't know, but God does. And so it's important for us to examine our hearts because so much of the problems in our life are caused by our heart. We have a heart problem. So confess your sinful thoughts and intentions. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes on to say it knows your very intentions. And that's a paraphrase. God knows our intentions. He knows our heart. Second of all, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And you know right where I'm going here because this is a verse most of you uh, know by heart. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then what is the next word? Holy, holy. So here we have these defiled bodies. We know our bodies are sinful. That's our old nature. But we're to present them as a living sacrifice. We don't offer lambs. We don't, when we sin, we don't, for a minor sin, you know, they had a minor offering like a pigeon or an offering of meal or grain. We, we, we are to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. Because we, we can't offer, Christ paid it all. We don't do sacrifices anymore. But he says here, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And it goes, holy, acceptable unto God. And the only thing that is acceptable unto God is holiness, by the way. He hates sin. God's never changed. He hates sin as much today as he did in Sodom and Gomorrah. He hates our inward sins as much as our outward sins. And uh, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's that metamorphosis. And that's the only way you could ever be happy is to have that metamorphosis inside. That's the Greek word. You have to have a miracle in here. And if you're not saved, it hadn't happened for you. You know, you need to repent of your sins and trust Christ and he will work that change in you. So we need to offer ourselves a living sacrifice. You know, the vessels and the things in the temple we read were there, they're holy. And you know, now our bodies are the temple. So the inward things need to be put in place. We need to be holy. Third, our lifestyle. First Peter chapter three and verse 11. First Peter chapter three and verse 11. First Peter three, 11. Let him eschew evil. Let him seek peace. And, and, and I've totally lost. I, I've got the wrong reference here. And I actually went over this today. So uh, first, second Peter 3.11. I apologize. I said first, my notes are right. My eyes are bad. And my brain maybe is right behind. Uh, first, second Peter 3.11. Seeing that all these things be, shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness. That's godlikeness. Godliness. Holy conversation. The word conversation does not mean speech and talking. It actually is a word that means lifestyle. Our lifestyle needs to be holy. It needs to be holy. That's godlike. And anything in your life that's not godlike is, guess what? Unholy. So um, we, we are to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Persons, that's what kind of people we ought to be. What does John say? Love not the world, neither the things of the world. He says, uh, uh, Paul says in Corinthians, come out of the world and be separate. Let me just say to you, there's nothing holy in the world. Nothing. I said a few weeks ago, the only holy water is the water that poured from Jesus' side. We talked about worshiping idols. There are people who love holy water and, and they... they they revere a statue outside their church and, and they do so many things that are connected to idol worship. And so we have to understand the only holiness in this world is God himself and he indwells in our body. Then fourth, we go to 2 Timothy 1.9, holy in our calling. And as the old country preacher said one time, park there a while and I'm going to park here for a few minutes. Uh, 2 Peter 1.9. Second <laughs> Timothy, I'm so sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And look what it says here. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. 
not according to our works, but according to his own purposes, his own purpose and grace, which was given us by Christ Jesus before the world began. So he saved us and called us with a holy calling. Uh, uh, let's, let's look at a few more verses, and then I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 29. And when I get there, I'm going to read it uh, because I've got to move a little quicker. But it says here, for the gifts and calling of God without, are without repentance. Do you know God gave you special gifts? And he's given you a calling, and he doesn't change his mind. He expects you to abide by his calling. Then we know 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And verse 20, it says here, 720, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. So we have a calling, Ephesians 4.1. In Ephesians 4.1, it says here, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation which ye are called. And First uh, 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 Corinthians 1.26 talks about not many wise people, not many great nobility type people are called. Just he calls people and he doesn't always call the rich and famous, the very intelligent. He calls average people. That's where I fit in. And uh, he's talking with someone recently about a call, the calling of God on my life. And of course, Jonah, the word of the Lord came into Jonah. I remember being in my little double wide, my single wide, not double wide. I wasn't that big, big, big timer yet, but I was in my little trailer in Tree and Sky Mobile Home Park. I was miserable cutting meat. I was making very good money at the time, and I was going to get a market, and I was just miserable. I couldn't understand it. But I, I, sitting in my trailer night after night and reading my Bible, it was bothering me. Something's wrong, Lord. I don't know what. When I was a young kid, five years old, before I was saved, I remember the Lord speaking to me, not in an audible voice, I just remember me thinking about God and thinking about serving Him and thinking about, uh, you know, uh, being maybe a minister or something. And I couldn't understand. I was just a kid. I was watching my dad work on the, put a siding on a home we were building, and God was just kind of speaking to me. And I look back on that now, and I thought, maybe when I was a teenager, ah, oh, that was a, just a, you know, I was just confused. But when you read that God called Jeremiah from the womb, you're thinking, wait a minute. You know, God did begin working on me. And I remember uh, throughout my teen years, idolizing my pastor. And that's, that, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but I just respected him so much. He was my idol, my hero on this earth. And I remember our, our, our great organist, Ruth Vanderworth, would play the pipe organ before pastor got up. And then he'd preach a great message. And man, I was just on the edge of my seat thinking, I wish I could be like my pastor. And... Uh, he was just, just a great man in addition to being a great expositor. He was a great man. And I revered him and I always thought, boy, I'd like to be like him. And then I remember coming to Tennessee Temple on a basketball scholarship and they were all giving me tracks because my hair wasn't cut yet. And uh, I had a beard and, and they were all, and I was on crutches. I just hurt my leg. And I walked up the steps and Steve Redding said, you're going to be a preacher. And I said, I'm not going to be a preacher. And then in chapel, it was constantly bothering me. One time I went forward and just said, Lord, here am I, send me, because that's what the message was on. I said, Lord, if, if that's what you want. And I was so glad he didn't make it clear that day. But you know, in my trailer, reading my Bible, reading about Paul being forbidden to go here and directed to go here, I said, all right, Lord, if this is your thing that you're calling me, I surrender. 
That week, this is no joke, I was called by a mission board to come and candidate because I wanted someone to start a church in Panama to the military an hour and a half from my father-in-law. I knew who was behind that. Now my father-in-law, God was behind that, see. He used my father-in-law who felt I should be a preacher and I'd be good with the military. That week, three churches took me on for support and I had several meetings lined up. I said, what am I going to say to these churches? I'm not a preacher. God just opened doors and just kind of gently pushed me through. And in eight, nine months, I had 10 months at the most, I had all my support. Just quit my job, which someone say that's foolish. You didn't have any income, right? I remember we had bags of potatoes on our porch, this little church. We'd find things on our porch and, you know, they'd secretly give us things and we were just taken care of without a job. We're going on trips without money, without gas, without a credit card. God just confirmed it. Hey, where I call, I enable. And I learned to get up before people. And those first few times going to the restroom, sitting on that toilet for a long time, pardon me, not wanting to get up in front of people. And now I just love to preach. Now I preached at some churches that were real mega huge churches and my friend, uh, Brother Doug, said to me, were you nervous? And I said, no. He said, I could tell. How, how do you get up there in front of people and not be nervous? I said, I guess because I'm called and I absolutely love doing what I'm doing. I, I guess. I don't know why. But, you know, God made it very apparent to me that I was called in the circumstances and the peace of God and the joy of preaching over the years has confirmed it over and over and over to me. When I get discouraged sometimes, I think I'm just going to quit. But the few times, the very few times in my life I hadn't been preaching and pastoring somewhere, those times I knew I needed to be somewhere sharing the word. I knew it was God's calling. And I call it the call of God. And that's certainly the way it was with me. It was a scripture, the Holy Spirit, his guidance. So we need to realize that we have to be holy in our calling. And over the years, well, all the people who've taught and poured their hearts and minds and brilliance into me, and I, I'm not like them, but my professors and my counselors, my pastors in a great library, uh, it's become holy to me. I mean, really, when I get up here, I don't know, and in, in I've been, actually, when I started the church in Panama, 40 years or so, I've been preaching. I don't know if I've ever got up to preach without saying, Lord, Forgive me for the thought I had this afternoon or forgive me for that or this in my life. It's that holy to me. I believe I'm going to answer the Lord for what I preach and I better get it right. And so a holy calling, especially in my life, I can share my testimony and certainly some of you can share God's testimony in your life. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Hebrews, James, and I have to help myself here. 1 Peter 2, 5. Finally, holy in our worship. He says, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy what? Priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We're a holy priesthood. Thank God for the priest in the temple, but we don't need him anymore. We have a mediator who's given us the authority to go into the presence of God, to pray for other people, to talk directly to God. And that's a holy priesthood. I was thinking about here on our worship service and 
Sunday mornings we have oftentimes visitors and we don't know their hearts. I probably had some people today that didn't know the Lord. I don't know, but you know, you, you, I pray for sinners to come into the house of God. And I've told you before, the one failure of this church is we don't get enough lost people in here. I'd like to see people saved. And I'm kind of spoiled in, in the military ministry if you said that all the GIs would go out and get people into the house of God. When you have a baptism every Sunday for seven years, every Sunday night, my back got so bad I had to quit baptizing. And I had my assistant do it. He was sorry about my bad back because it was getting rough on him. He was older than me. And, I, and he was a 660 at the time. But that's a wonderful experience. And then you come home to stateside churches and where is that zeal to get sinners into the house of God? And I think I invite people every week, but I think, what do we need to do? And I think maybe today we had some. Next week, I'm telling you, I'm preaching on the cross from Galatians 6. And I hope that you think about inviting someone to the house of God. But our worship, and it bothers me, I'll be truthful with you, when people uh, come into the house of God and don't realize how holy this hour and a half on Sunday morning is and tonight just an hour, but, and it bothers me. I think, are we really here to worship when our cell phones are ringing? Listen, if we have a medical personnel with an emergency beeper or their phone has to be on, God bless them, we understand that. But none of us are too important that we can't cut our cell phones off and not take a call for that hour and a half. I'm just saying that. Oh, pastor, that's, that's harsh. It's true. That time with God and this time with God is holy. This is a holy hour. And in the morning when you have sinners there, what do you think they think when we're taking calls, texting? Some people are texting. I see them. Sometimes I see them playing games and I'm thinking, I, don't, I understand the children some, but even adults are texting. Leave the phones in your car. Mine's in my office. Oh, preacher, you're hard tonight. No, but you know, it's holy to me. It's holy to God. We're a holy priesthood. If we can't spend an hour and a half in God's house with God, I mean, what would God do if the priest in the Holy of Holies brought a cell phone in there and was texting people? You say, oh, that would be terrible. But your body's the temple of God. And for one hour and a half. Now, I understand some of you may have a doctor's call coming. There may be an occasion, but almost every Sunday, I see it. It's a good thing not much distracts me. I can just make a joke about it. And how many times have we heard the phones ping and the cell phones and I see people playing video games and, and it's not just the kids. And you say, well, it's not me. Well, great. And I'm not picking on you, Brother Mike, just because you're on your cell phone rather than playing the guitar. No, I'm serious. I'm not picking on you, anybody. I'm saying, folks, we have to realize when we come to church, it's a holy time. I even sometimes just talking and whispering to a staff member up here and I think, wait a minute, I got to shut up. I got to sing. And Harold's leading the choir. And I'm singing. I can't sing very good, but I'm singing along. Why? I believe four things I've got listed here. First of all, effort in our singing. Sometimes I look around and people aren't singing. Do you know in, in uh, Chronicles, not Colossians, Chronicles, there are four things that are part of worship. And singing's one of them. And when we come to church, that's a time to sing to God. We're not singing to impress. We're singing to God, whether our voice is good or not. We're singing, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And the words we're singing are to be pleasing to God. So we need to have effort in our singing. We need to have sacrificial, sacrifice in our giving. Excuse me for not rhyming correctly. Sacrifice in our giving. 
Won't talk about that much tonight. But attention in our listening. When a singer's singing, honestly, in the military church, it was more structured. I don't miss some of that, but it's, it is, some of it needs to be reinstated in the church. We used to have policies. When someone's singing a special, you don't go in or out. You wait because it's distracting. They're trying to concentrate on their words. And so you wait till the special is finished. Then you can sneak out. I'm not saying we're going to put a bunch of rules on you. Okay, that's not my point. My point is that solo, that person has been nervous about that. They've studied those words and they're getting up before this family of God. And you are wonderful. So everybody's thinking, man, pastor's hard tonight. You're a wonderful bunch of people. You know that. I love you. But when that person's singing, I need to shut up and join them in worship. And then agreement in our praying. When someone's praying, just a simple prayer, we're supposed to agree together. And on Wednesdays, I love it when we we'll give a bunch of requests and we pray together. That's the most important thing Wednesday. That means sometimes if I get up here and I have 10 minutes, that's okay. Prayer is what they did in the middle of the week. And so prayer is so vitally important that we agree together. And that's what prayer is, agreeing together, agreeing with God. And where two or three are gathered together, hey, that's holiness. And so we agree together. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for your holiness. And Lord, I just pray that you help me be more holy. I want to be holy, holy, holy like our Lord God Almighty. I love you, Lord. And when I love the things of the world and have a thought life that's not pleasing, I say things that aren't kind, Lord, I'm not being holy. Help me to confess and you, you help me, God, to be holy. And we all want to be holy tonight and pleasing to you in everything we do. Bless now in Jesus' name, amen.